Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. 68-year-old Bill Singleton had been using a chainsaw to cut firewood when the blade flicked back at him, slicing open his jaw. I heard this crack and I realised then that I was in big trouble. The grandfather couldn't call for help because he'd split open his tongue. He came within centimetres of death. But survival instinct kicked in. This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I Survived. Chucking his tools into the back of his ute, Victorian granddad, 68-year-old Bill Singleton, told his wife Lynette he'd be out for a few hours, gathering and chopping firewood to fuel his potbelly stove. It was a Friday, and as Bill drove away from their home and down the winding, dirt road into the thick bush, there was hardly a soul to be seen, just bounding kangaroos darting through the scrub. Now, before Bill takes it away, he has a little trouble with his speech, but I promise you, his story is one you have to hear. I arrived here okay and went through a little bit of a walk through the bush. I sussed out a couple of good logs of timber and went back to my ute. I had two chainsaws, a small one and a big one. I got the big saw out. It started up and of course it roared into action and I started cutting it and I was getting close to where the end of that log was and I thought this will be the last cut. I don't know exactly what happened, whether I lost concentration for a split second or whether that log moved. The end of the blade hit the log behind it and it threw the saw back at me. I heard this crack. I didn't feel anything at the time. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I realised then that I was in big trouble. The tip of the chainsaw's blade, which had sliced through the massive fallen tree like a knife through butter, had hit a hard bit of wood and ricocheted back towards Bill. The powerful machine smacked him in the jaw, ripping through his flesh, before stalling and falling to the ground. Bill had chainsawed through his face. Hot blood poured from his chin, but luckily he carries a handkerchief every day. On that particular morning, I clean one out of my drawer um, because, well, <laughs> the one that I'd had in my pocket had been there a couple of days, so I thought I'd better get a clean one. 
Reaching into his pocket, Bill pulled out the hanky and pressed it to his face to stem the bleeding. Instantly, the neatly folded square that Lynette had carefully ironed and folded was stained red. Understandably, Bill was overcome with an awful, woozy feeling. By this time, I was down on my knees and then a couple of seconds later, I was laying down. I don't know how long I laid there for and of course I said a few choice words to myself and I got thinking, well, what's next? The grandfather couldn't call for help because he'd split open his tongue. He couldn't talk so couldn't call for help. He had only two options, stay where he was and die from blood loss or attempt to drive out of there. How in the world was I going to give them directions to be able to get an ambulance to where I was? What was I supposed to do? Sit myself down at the base of a tree and lean back and waiting for the lights to go out? But Bill isn't the kind of bloke who'd just give up. His ute was 40 metres away, but with his face sliced open like a book, it seemed like an epic distance. Crawling on his stomach with the hanky still pressed to his face, it was a long and painful journey. But clambering over logs and rocks, the Aussie battler made it. Hauling himself up, Bill grabbed his first aid kit. Putting a gauze pad on his chin, he secured it with an arm sling tied around his head. Not one to leave a mess, Bill packed up his tools and stowed them away in the trailer connected to the back of his ute. Lowering himself into the driver's seat, he started the car. I had a towel there which I wrapped up like a sausage and put that around my neck and uh, to the back of the seat, put my seatbelt on, put it in dry and away I went. I had a journey on a rough, gravelly road which had twists and turns in it. Yeah, some of the bumps were jarred a bit. Twice he had to pull over, afraid he was going to black out, but survival instinct kicked in and he pushed on. Taking care not to look in the rearview mirror, worried he'd be horrified by the sight of his own face, Bill drove the 32 kilometres to the hospital. As he pulled into the car park, he was still holding his wounded face together with one hand. I drove in there, but I couldn't park my ute and trailer in there. There wasn't the room, so I had to drive out again. Did another U-turn, did a parallel park. It can be a struggle to parallel park at the best of times, but Bill did it after chainsawing his face in half. He didn't want to be a bother and just dump his car outside the hospital for someone else to deal with. With that, I got out of my yurt, closed the door, locked the yurt, and I walked, started walking over to the main entrance. About three quarters away across, things started to get a little bit dark and started to spin around, so I thought I'm not going to get to that door. So with that, I went back down on my knees and rested for a little while, and I managed to get back up again. I got to the front door, which I had to pull open, which took me all my strength at the time, and I stepped inside and in front of me was a reception desk, but there was no one there. There was a couple of chairs on my left-hand side, and I may have advised the first one. 
I don't know how long I sat there, but a fellow came out. I look at him and he looked at me. I don't know as to what he was thinking at the time, but he took off like a rocket. He was gone for about 10 seconds, I guess, and he was back again with two nurses. And they took me into the casualty room and put me up on a bed there. With that, Bill's world went black. Back home, his wife Lynette received a horrifying phone call. The police rang me about 1.30 to say that Bill had presented himself to the hospital and that he'd been shot in the face. And I said, well, that's funny. I said he went out to with the chainsaw to get wood for his potbelly stove. And then that's when they realised that that's what it was, that he hadn't been shot, that it was a chainsaw accident. But like a bullet, the chainsaw didn't slice neatly. It had ripped through Bill's flesh without mercy. Airlifted to a larger hospital, a team of surgeons led by Professor Alf Nastri worked tirelessly to put his face back together. He'd lost most of his teeth. In fact, the chainsaw had hacked as far back as his wisdom teeth. They had to fix his jaw together with a metal plate. They told me that he needed 10 units of blood which I was a blood donor, so I know how much 10 units of blood is. And I thought, my gosh, he's lucky to be alive. I woke up in a room. I had no idea as to what day it was or what time it was. The next thing I knew, my wife, Lynette, and my son, Paul, were standing at the side of my bed. And, of course, I couldn't speak because I had inserted a tracheometer into my throat and that's where I was breathing, so it's an amazing little gadget. So all I could do was nod and uh, I asked for a uh, pencil and paper so I could write. No one knew as to whether I'd be able to talk again. While nerve damage left Bill's tongue permanently numb, over the next few weeks, thankfully, he slowly began to talk again. I was talking to Professor Nastri later on and I said, well, how bad was the wound? He said, you're very lucky to be alive because as we're cleaning the wound out and and, uh, inspecting the depth of the wound and how bad it was, we could see the main artery in your neck, pulsing. So he said to me, if you had to scratch that or cut it, he said, you wouldn't be here now. The talented surgeon and his team patched Bill up, but he didn't take credit for saving his life. Oh, look, I think he saved himself. You know, he's a typical Aussie battler type. Didn't make a big deal about it. I don't think he was aware of just how penetrating an injury he'd given himself, and I think that probably was his saving grace. When Bill finally looked in the mirror, he couldn't believe what a great job the doctors had done. His moustache and beard had sprouted back. All he could make out was a row of stitches lining his jaw. Lynette thought he looked pretty handsome too. The way that they had stitched him up, they were just marvellous, absolutely marvellous. 
I felt relieved because I didn't think it was as bad as what I thought it was going to be. Amazingly, Bill looked hardly any different. And even if he did, after nearly 47 years of marriage, it wouldn't have mattered a bit to Lynette. It doesn't change the person. Your looks don't change what's inside. After just three weeks in hospital, Bill was allowed to go home. He still needed firewood though, so within no time at all, he was back in the bush with his chainsaw. He says he's not afraid of chainsaws and won't hesitate before using them again in the future. He'll just be a little bit more careful next time. Well, Bill said to me, if you fall off a bike, you get back on it. So that is what he does. said he's got to do with the chainsaw, go back out and get some more wood. I was a bit worried the first time that surely it couldn't happen again. Surely I can't. I just said, be careful. Wanting to understand what her husband had been through, Lynette went out to where the accident had happened. She still couldn't quite believe what Bill had achieved with half his face hanging off. I did go back out where he had the accident and I just honestly could not believe that he could drive down that hill the way he was injured. I just could not believe it. I said, someone was sitting on your shoulder. Nearly three years on, Bill has had two more ops to secure his new metal jawline and to get his gums ready for new teeth. But he's still on the waiting list. His speech has recovered well, though. Some sounds such as S can be tricky, but for Bill, the worst thing is his diet. Since the accident, he's only been able to eat mushy food. In the early days, Lynette would even put a serve of roast dinner, complete with gravy, in the blender. Now, while Bill can manage tiny bits of soft meat, he can't wait for a proper meal. He would just love to have a nice, juicy steak. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he'd, he'd just dying for a steak. As far as Bill's concerned, you never know when your life might be cut short. Stressing about it too much will just send you mad. So why worry? You can walk out in the street or be walking across the street and some bugger will run over the top of you. It makes you wonder what's going to happen to you tomorrow. If you take that attitude, uh, you'll end up in a pony farm. Yeah, you know, lucky that he's here, so we'll just enjoy what life we've got left, the both of us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. Next time... You know, I was sound asleep in my bed and I could hear a gnawing sound, a gurgling and a gnawing sound. It seemed to be right under my pillow. Robert Wayne Ridgway bought a nitrogen cylinder and hose which he used to pump gas into a caravan where Pepita Ridgway was sleeping. If you cranked it right up, you'd make an awful roar. <laughs> He's trying to kill me. If I wanted to bump somebody else, they would have been bumped off. I have to survive this. How I Survived. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. 
And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.